Hey guys, welcome into the Commercial Appeals Grizzlies podcast. It is opening week in the NBA. I'm Grizzlies beat writer David Cobb alongside columnist Mark Giannato, and we are gearing up for the beginning of a new season. And Mark, it's not just the beginning of a new season. It's the beginning of a new era in Memphis Grizzlies basketball. I don't know if you saw my tweet. The Grizzlies are the only team in the NBA without a player born in the 1980s on their active roster as we hit the beginning of the season. I not only saw it, I retweeted it. I've given a lot of people with that information. I've given a lot of people, maybe yourself included, tell me how you feel about it. Uh, I've sparked a lot of crisis, like personal crises of, of people starting to realize how old they are based off of how young this Grizzlies roster is. Oh, I realize. I, I mean, I'm not that old. I'm an 80s child. I was born in 1986 um i don't know if it makes me feel old honestly it more makes me realize just how young this team is and how i might i maybe would have had another older person or two on the roster just like not necessarily even old like the one problem i think with this roster is they've got essentially jay crowder and solomon hill as kind of your old vets. I know they're calling Tyus Jones a vet Tyus Jones a veteran, but he's twenty three. Um and Solomon Hill's not really gonna play. And Jay Crowder might be gone by the trade deadline, no matter how gung ho he is about this situation right now. But at the same time, given the fact that we're entering a season, the first season in a long time where wins and losses are not necessarily part of the goal. Like the you know you want to win. They want to you don't want to create a, they don't want to create a culture where losing is acceptable, but a set win total is not really any of their concern. Um it makes sense. It makes sense that you you know you want a roster of guys essentially this is a season of experimentation, figuring out who fits and who doesn't. And quite frankly, someone who's 33, aside from being a mentor, like how's a kind of a mentorship role, like Solomon Hill and Jay Crowder are filling on this team in a lot of ways, a 33 year old doesn't fit on this team. Yeah. Well, let me play devil's advocate for a second here. And, and not just with the, the, age and the maturity factor and the leadership experience and all that. Let's talk about the on the court style of play, Mark, because this is a team that wants to let it fly. You talked one-on-one with Taylor Jenkins a little bit about this style in a recent interview, Uh, but this is a team that wants to shoot a lot of three-pointers and they, they shot a fair number in the preseason. They didn't shoot them well. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at some of the, the trades they made, do you second guess sending C.J. Miles to Washington for Dwight Howard to clear a bit of money? Do you second-guess sending Kyle Korver away? Do you second-guess not bringing back Tyler Dorsey? Three players I've named off the top of my head here who would have fit uh, a couple of, of – would have checked a couple of boxes with this team. One, veteran leadership in, in Miles and Korver, and, and those two can sh- really shoot it, and so can Dorsey. But, so you've sort of left yourself a, maybe a little exposed. That's my devil's advocate. Yeah. Here. The question I would have with that is, did you feel like the because like none of those guys were going to fit in three years when this team was actually a playoff team? Like Kyle Korver would have been like forty two, or whatever. <laughs> you know, I don't know exactly, but he yeah, he's been, old. He would have been too old. And C.J. Miles 
had one year left on his deal, you weren't re-signing him after this year anyways. Um, and, and and I will say, and you should check out commercialappeal.com because I, I, I had a one-on-one interview with Taylor Jenkins on Monday after practice. And I asked him this very question about, you know, you've got this let it fly mentality, but it seems to run counter to your personnel, essentially. And his 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 point was let it fly is not just about shooting three pointers. It's a th- it's way he called it's a theme for just confidence. I want our guys in our motion based offense attacking and being able to score and play make from different spots on the floor and different positions. I want them to have confidence. So it's not just about shooting threes. It's about having the confidence and the, I guess the, I don't know if freedom's the right word, yeah, no, but just I, the, you know, sort of the, I see that already. And, and the person who I like see not it be in, scared to just, to just get after it. Yes, and I, the person who I see that in the most, who is most important this season, is John Morant. They, they've given him the keys to this thing. It is, all right, John, here's the ball. Go, well, go. I mean, they have to. He's the only one who can. It's honestly, like from the preseason games, the thing that is a little troubling about this team, they basically have two guys who can create off the dribble. And you have questions whether they can play together in Tyus Jones and John Moran. Yeah, the one time they did play together was in the third quarter of their second game against an international team, and it's when the New Zealand Breakers went on the run to make it a game. Uh, and I don't think they've experimented with that since. So, I mean, ja, I mean, I will say the preseason, Ja was very encouraging. Like he looked great. He's got. He's gonna. He's going to realize, I mean, the Spurs did it in that last game. They were play, they were going under every screen because they were like, you you, you got to hit a shot. We're mm-hmm. not just going to let you penetrate the lane and and kick out all day long. Um, but I think he'll adjust to that over time. I think, I think he'll be a good enough shooter this year to keep defenses honest. Yeah, that's going to be an important part of his development. But I do think what I've picked up from this preseason is that half-court offense is going to be a real issue with this team. Well, that's why I wonder, in spite of all their bullishness on playing this style, will they start to realize when Jaron Jackson Jr. and Jonas Valanciunas are on the court together that their strength is actually in their post offense? Because Can you, you put both of them in the post at the same time, you, though? I you don't were think... effective last year at times with Jaron and Marc Gasol, especially early in the season. On yeah, the court but that together. was with Mark playing at the – Mark played at the top of the key a lot. He yeah, well, Mark was not posting up. Very well, Jaron's Jaron's going to be out on, on the perimeter, you know, almost at all times. One, well, one, that's the question. Like, that's my question, really. After watching the preseason games, I thought Jaron was most effective last year, actually playing out of the post. Yes, and I think eventually he is going to be a you know pretty good face up player. I don't think he's there quite yet, and so do you. And this is again this. This 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 gets at the overarching question of the season. Do you just put Jaron Jackson in a bunch of like what they did in the preseason, where he he had some good numbers, but I didn't feel like he looked comfortable out yeah, there. Yeah, and, and he didn't really feel like he played that well either. And do you put him in a bunch of face up situations and leave him on the perimeter because three years from now that's you know probably going to be his bread and butter or do you give him more post-up opportunities? Because right now, that appears to be what he's best at. Yeah, that's that's my question, is how serious are they about this? If they, if they end up, say they start the season 
two and nine, and they've got a weekend home game, and they really don't want to lose this home game. Do they? Do they kind of tweak things? Do they say, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna get Jonas fifteen touches on the block tonight"? You know, that's my that's well, and I think it's a it's a it's gonna be fascinating throughout the season. Like I I thought Brandon Clark before the Charlotte Hornets preseason game had a fascinating comment when I asked him to compare Taylor Jenkins to Mark Few. And Brandon Clark basically said, you can tell Taylor Jenkins, this is Taylor Jenkins' first time as a head coach. Like, he's doing, implementing things for the first time. Like, yes, this is Budenholzer's offense, but with every day and every game, there are tweaks being made and it's becoming Taylor Jenkins' offense. But I think it's a, I, I think the vibe I've gotten is that it is a work and is very much an evolving piece, evolving canvas, if you will. Um, I don't think he exactly knows what the final product come January and February is exactly going to look like at this moment. Yeah, uh, we don't either, that's for sure. So 82-game slate kicks off Wednesday at Miami, then they're back home uh, for games against Chicago and Brooklyn on Mm -hmm. Friday and Sunday. And uh, it's a really good home slate early. Uh, This team is going to be uh, tested. There's some really good teams coming through here in the first couple months of the season. Uh, Mike Conley's reunion among the the headliners. Uh, Mark, I mean, wh- what are you most looking forward to about this Grizzly season? Is there a player? I mean, obvious the obvious I mean, I think is after, Ja, but I mean, what? Yeah, I think after watching the preseason, it's Ja because I think what you realize in these preseason games, there are going to be several moments every game where he makes you go wow in a good way, and then there'll probably be a few moments where he makes you go wow in a bad way. But he's going to be really exciting. I, I really like like Jaron I think is just as big a part of the future, but in terms of just ex- raw excitement level that a person generates, I think by far and away Ja is the most important player on this team. Uh because he is a guy, let's say you're ten and twenty seven. He's a guy who can make make your you know, he can make it an entertaining night if you will, even when you don't have a great record. And then obviously it's his development is really important just along the way, how he develops as an NBA point guard. And and now, frankly, with Zion Williamson's injury, I think he's probably the made path the, has been clear. He's the favorite to win rookie of the year. I Gotta think be. right now with, with how the Grizzlies are going to use him and how much freedom they're going to give him and how much leash they're going to give him. I think he's he's your he's your front runner right now as we head into the season. Yeah, it wasn't a super deep class uh, draft class to begin with, and and Ja has been great so far. You look at a guy like R.J. Barrett; he's playing in a place with the Knicks where they've got a lot of mouths to feed up there. I mean, you yeah. know how how much is he really going to get uh, to show what he can do as a rookie? I don't know, who, but uh, the ball's in Ja's hands. Here. Who who else do you think helped themselves? on the Grizzlies this preseason. Oh, Bar- Take out the, beyond John Jaron, who who really helped you out? Brandon Clark was quiet in the first two games against international teams, and I suspect that was because of this little tweaked ankle situation where maybe he was holding back a little bit or wasn't 100%. But in their last couple of games, or at least the last couple that he played in, Brandon Clark was, was phenomenal. I mean, he had back-to-back double-doubles in the two games that he participated in. And uh, really, I think, showed that he's going to be a big part of this. I mean, I'd expect him to play close to maybe even 30 minutes a night, almost out of the gate. So Clark was very impressive. I I think that was 
very clear. Not that it was a huge surprise given how well he played in the summer league, but given how quiet he was in the first two preseason games, it, it made it all the more impressive how uh, just efficient, smart. He just looks like he's – he doesn't look like a rookie out there. Yeah, anyone else? Uh, just one guy impressed you in the preseason other than John Look, Green? the wing to me is still very unsettled. Dylan Brooks had one good game. Grayson Allen had two good games against non-NBA teams. To me, that position remains very unsettled. I, I'm a Marco Guterich stan all, all of a sudden. I really like him. Why? Explain why. Because, because he, he, he hit only he three out of 15 of his. No, I know. But like, I think he's – I would hope they, – they touted him as a shooter. I would hope he shoots the ball better. He looked, he looked not in over his head at, you know, against NBA competition. In fact – he was a better ball handler and right. distributor than I ever imagined he was going to yeah, be. Yeah. I thought he was just going to be a uh, sort of a you know just a just a shooter, just a guy who is out there for k- driving kicks from Ja. And this is a guy who can create a little bit. Um, he was just intriguing to me. He seemed like honestly, like I was more impressed with him than I was Grayson Allen in those NBA games. Wow. Yeah. So, what did you think of the decision to pick up Grayson Allen's third year player option? Eh, what's the harm? I mean, it's a low cost, low cost. Maybe, you know, I think you saw enough. It sounds like they've liked him in the locker room. It sounds like he hasn't been a brat. Um, and yeah, you have a ton of cap space. He's the type of guy you want to, you know, essentially you want to investigate and see if he's actually a piece beyond that third year, whether he, you know, if he's someone who can be part of this rotation when the team's actually good again. Well, talking about Grayson Allen, talking about Marco Guterich, talking about Dylan Brooks, the next name in that conversation is Josh Jackson because if this, the, that trio that we just named isn't performing up to the standard, they've got a guy who's a former number four overall pick who's going to be let's let's face it, he's going to be scoring thirty points a game for the Memphis Hustle. It's going to be hard to to ignore that, uh, and he's a guy with good size and a lot of talent. And there's going to be a lot of questions, a lot of clamoring from the public, from the NBA world maybe even from us in the media, to say, okay, let's see what this guy can do. Yeah. They're, they're not going to pick up his fourth-year option, but uh, from speaking to some people who are who are briefed on the matter, that doesn't mean that, they're, that they won't give him a shot to come back if, he, if, he, if this whole thing goes well. All right, so a couple rapid-fire questions to wrap up this season opening, regular season opening podcast. What's the starting lineup look like uh, early on this season? Uh, I, I think it's... I'd be willing to bet that it's Ja, Dylan, Jay Crowder, Jaron Jackson Jr., Jonas Valanciunas, and then you got Tyus Jones and Brandon Clark are the, probably the first two off the bench. Who leads this team in scoring this year? Jaron Jackson Jr. Okay. Who it might lead- not be pretty, but he will. Who leads him in rebounding? Oh, yeah, Jonas Valanciunas, without a doubt. And then I'm gonna ask this, but it's obvious who leads him in assists. Yeah, John Morant, no Wait, brainer. He might be he might be up close to eight or nine by by the time the season is over. And then so the over under was twenty six and a half wins, I yeah, think, in Vegas. In that, in that what what it, give me a record prediction? Yeah, I, I'll go with um, twenty five wins. Um, okay. it's, it's a nice kind of playing like Price is Right version of this. Yeah, like the, it's uh yeah, gonna go gonna, under Bob one dollar. Uh, uh, no. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Adult. I'm gonna go one win, just you know, because you can't go over. No, I'm just kidding. So here's the thing, Mark. That that I think matters. The only thing that matters about the, the win total with this season is, even though the front office is not gonna 
take a stance on it. And even though all, none of the players have any idea like what this means, I still think that by February or March, guys like you and me are going to be talking about will they convey, convey the pick or not. Because I think we'll have got grown kind of bored with the other storylines, and I think that is still a very important part uh, of this Grizzlies future is whether or not they convey the pick to the Celtics this year or if they convey an unprotected unprotected pick to the Celtics next year. Yeah, no, I think well, I th- and I think they don't want to convey. I think they want to add that top 6 pick. You know, the thing is this is also not shaping up to be a very deep draft class. So, we'll see, but I in theory I understand where you're coming from because if the Grizzlies want to add another piece. If the Grizzlies add another piece, another high-level talent to the group that they have now the hope would be the next season they can take a step forward and then convey the pick to boston in the teens and so i think if they can get on that trajectory this season uh it'll be an encouraging sign for the franchise uh 25 wins you know there's there's multiple ways you can look at that but if you're moving in the right direction and that's your win total uh you can stomach it if you're moving in the wrong direction and that's your win total uh it'll be a tougher pill to swallow but i think there's enough here for the grizzlies to have a shot at turning this thing around They've got it going uh, with some young talent now, and, and we're about to see how it all shakes out. Yeah, should be a uh, should be a fascinating season. Certainly different than uh, a lot of recent seasons here in Memphis. Um, I'll be curious to see how long this team can hold the attention of the non diehards. It's kind of a it's the big question for every team here in Memphis. Um, like come January and February, like it all sounds great right now. Like we're going to, you know, this is about John Jaron, but like when we get to the dog days of January, February, March, and this team is nowhere near the playoff race, um, will we still see the same buy-in from, from Memphis, from Memphis fans, uh, as we're seeing. So it seems like right now. Um, but that's like the joy of this is you go through seasons like this and then five years from now, when this team hopefully is a contender again, y- you remember the seasons like this, and it makes those seasons yeah, feel better. Yeah, if you've better. got the, the Brandon Clark rookie bobblehead on your desk at work, that's a, a badge of honor that shows you survived through uh, through the the early years. Uh, Interesting. Well, yeah. we will uh, we will have plenty of coverage on CommercialPeel.com this week uh, throughout the opening few games. Cobb is going to Miami going to get his tan on and then uh, come back for the Bulls, the home opener Friday night against the Chicago Bulls. Um, We will join you again at some point here in the near future, uh, break down the early portion of the season, how things are going. But till next time I was Mark, this was David. Thanks so much for joining us.